Welcome to this week's episode of the Hooper's Almanac. My name is Aaron Carter, and my co-host Mitchell Sell is in pain. If you don't know why, well, just look at the Boston Celtics record right now and how they're performing. Mitch and I are also going to touch on the situation in Phoenix during this episode, which is turning from bad to worse, and also how bad the Lakers just might be. We're also going to bring on another friend of the show, Bulls expert Mike Carr. He's going to talk about his team and how well they're doing and how they shake up to the other teams in the East making a run for that Eastern Conference championship. Then we're finally going to finish off another cereal and brews. As always, we're going to catch up on Mitch's new job, which is now a few weeks into, as well as my uh, NFL day of betting, which is always uh, quite a wild ride. So we hope you all enjoy this episode. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And let's bring in our friends from Green Top, as always. Welcome back to the Hooper's Almanac. We are recording here on November 7th, 2021. Another great night to talk with my friend Mitchell Sell. Mitch, how are we doing today? You know, we are doing all right. You know, it was, it's was it been a great weekend, honestly, over here. It's been a bad sports weekend um, as for Mitchell Sell. But, you know, we we kind of bounced back. You know, it's a, it's a we've had a good NFL Sunday. Um, but, you know, and we also today, Evan, my family and I went to a winery just to watch some of the NFL games. But, you know, it's been fine. How you been, my man? I've been good, um, but I, I've definitely been better than – one Robert Sarver, um, which is where we're going to start this podcast, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. It's been quite a wild uh, wild week to be an NBA fan um, and definitely, I'm sure, a Suns fan and somebody in that building and that organization. Um, three days ago, ESPN's Baxter Holmes um, conducted and wrote this long, long article, seemed to be a long time in the making, um, heavily sourced from multiple different folks within the organization and outside of the organization on Robert Sarver's misogyny, racism, many different comments. And sadly, this is not the first time we've ever heard of this um, in the NBA and in sports in general and in our, our, our country and around the world. Um, obviously, the, the biggest case being Donald Sterling a few years ago, the former LA Clippers owner. Um, similar claims, although a, a little bit more um, you know, concrete in terms of what he said due to some recordings that came out um, from his girlfriend at the time, Mistress. Um, so, I mean, regardless, doesn't look good for Robert Sarver, doesn't look good for the Phoenix Suns organization. It'll be interesting to see how this falls out. The NBA is currently conducting their investigation. Um, uh, but Mitch, you and I both watched, you know, read the article here. I've watched some clips and keeping an eye on things here. What do you think about this whole situation and just exactly, you know, what are your thoughts on Robert Sarver and how do you think this impacts the Suns, you know, going forward? Well, you know, I think. You, you compared it to the Donald Sterling uh, piece and the, all that happened to him. And I totally agree. Um, and like you said, Donald Sterling had a little bit more concrete things and it wasn't, it wasn't until those concrete things came out that, you know, he was kicked out of Adam Silver did the nice whole uh, kick, kick him out of the league. Um, and I think sadly that's probably what's going to have to happen to uh, Robert Sarver. Sarver's a dick. And I'm going to say that. And it's, and I'm sorry, but he is, he really, it, after everything that I've read, everything that happened, uh, with Earl Watson, I feel bad for him and just everything that's going on with that. Um, it just seems like Phoenix – and he's also just so dumb. Oh, my God, how he's handled his – like the situation in Phoenix ever since he's taken over. 
Steve Nash's like voices opinions on him in the past, even before this article came out. It's just crazy. And and it's also so it's, it's not ha ha funny to me, but it's just funny that the fact that Sarver knew this, this article was coming out. And then like about a week ago commented on saying that he, he knew this was coming out. He said, everything is blatant lie. The fact that there had to have been so much like reporting, so much investigating already going into it for you to say, and so many stories that, were so like uh, colliding together that that were so true and all the pieces meant something together for you to call it a lie is just so disgraceful honestly um i think it's crazy i uh the former gm for the suns ryan mcdonough came out and voiced his support for the entire suns organization except for sarver uh and he's like hey i i'm here for you guys i know i'm no longer a part of the organization but i want you to know that i'm here if you guys ever need it and it's just cool to see how much support has come out of this. Um, you see how at the NBA, like fans have all come out in support of the Suns. Um, and they're, and they're, it's, it's, con- it's going downhill real bad for uh, the Sarver. Um, and I, I really hope this just like we, like we are going to talk about with Mike. I mean, we talked about how good the Suns have looked recently. I think it's kind of lit a fire under them recently. Mm-hmm. They're like, man, we're playing and we're going to play in spite of this situation and it's going to bring us closer together. I feel like that's just kind of how it's gone. Um, it's, it's just such a crappy situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is just a classic defense of I'm going to claim I'm innocent because there's no, you know, it's sort of a he said, she said situation at this point right. until we get that full investigation conducted. But I think whenever it's this extensive and there are this many people coming out with this and it doesn't, you know, this doesn't surprise us at this point, sadly. I mean, you know, you, you love to have a positive view of humanity and faith in people, but there are so many of these people out there, sadly, living in a different world. Um, and, I, you know, sadly, they tend to be in positions of power. Um, right. They tend to be men and tend to be white. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, great for me and Aaron. <laughs> right. Um, you know, good for us. We're not in power. So you're uh, right. (laughs) So, uh, but in general, this is just a really bad situation. I feel bad for Monty Williams. I feel bad for James Jones. I feel bad for all these young players that have their, you know, livelihoods tied to this man, all the different folks in the organization. You know, we saw, we've seen this recently with John Gruden in the NFL, you know, it remains to be seen how these assistant coaches and different folks that have tied themselves to him for their entire career, um, how exactly that's going to impact them. It seems like the Raiders organization is treating those people, you know, as independent people, which is what they should do. Absolutely. But typically there's not only one person that's like this. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the organization falls out. And also what the NBA does, you mentioned Donald Sterling, you know, back then a couple of years ago, silver find him the maximum amount of money, $2.5 million dollars and urged the NBA board of directors to force the team up for sale, Mm -hmm. um, which is what ended up happening. Steve Ballmer, the current owner worked for Microsoft, bought it for what was then a record price uh, of $2 billion. It was ridiculous, Uh, but it was perfect timing, especially for him. Right. Um, And of course, Donald Sterling was holding out all hope was banned from NBA for life. I heard recently as early as late as 2017, Mm-hmm. They've been trying to get that overturned. Him, him and his wife have been trying to get that overturned. Um, I hope that's never successful, but this seems like something that Silver needs to urge the NBA Board of Governors. He himself has no power. Right. Uh, 
there needs to be 75% of the NBA Board of Governors to vote Robert Sarver out, or really to vote him to sell the team. You can't really vote him out. He has to still come to a sale, which is just this whole sad (laughs) construct of of this uh, this league and the situation right now of him being at the top of the mantle. But I'm really hopeful that eventually he gets booted out, hopefully sooner rather than later. And maybe he's even, you know, banned away from the team in the meantime. Um, I don't think that's been done yet. Um, but while this investigation is being conducted, I hope he's out of the building at the very least. Yeah. And there are, there have been some minority owners that have voiced their opinions that they, they would like the NBA board of governors to like make their decision soon, man. Cause they want to get this done and over with quickly too. That way they don't have to worry about it during the season. This is, um, if you remember what the, when it happened to the Clippers, they brought the Clippers all closer together. It was those Blake Griffin, Chris Paul teams, and they they made their their uh, they made their uh, voices known. Uh, they wore those sh- those shirts that no one will ever forget uh, when they were warming up. Um, it's I feel like the Suns team is going to start voicing their opinions here soon enough. Uh, if nothing happens here uh, with the Board of Governors. Poor Chris Paul has been on both of those teams. I know. I mean, good Lord. And he's like been the president of the NBA Players Association, like the most upstanding guy, classic leader. So, I mean, if anybody's going to lead a team through this, it's him, mm-hmm. which I'm, you know, I'm feeling good about the Suns in terms of him. Monty Williams is a great leader in, from all, all accounts. Um, so I really hope it seems like the Struns, Suns organization is much stronger and much more than Robert Sarver. Um, which I'm very glad about. I still would cheer for the Phoenix Suns um, and and love this team, love the coach, and hate Robert Sarver. Yeah, I completely agree. We're going to switch up a little bit, though. We're going to talk about a little more lighthearted things. Uh, we had to hit the hard, heavy, heavy hitting things just because that's what the NBA is that's going on in the NBA right now. Had to. But on the other side of things, what's happening on the court, uh, Aaron, the Los Angeles Lakers, brutal. They have not looked good. They, the fact that they have blown two big leads to the possi- the worst team in the Western Conference is ridiculous. They're 5-5, five and five, 500 record, currently slated in the play-in game series right. um, if, the, if the season were ended today. Yes, they lost to the Thunder twice. They got their doors blown off by the Trailblazers, who have really been struggling. Lost to the Suns and the Warriors this year, um, back-to-back to start the season. Um and really, you know, their wins haven't been impressive. No. They beat the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Cavs, and the Rockets twice. And the, now the that, Cavs, second, that second Rockets game was way too close. Yeah, they only won by two points. Um, I think this is a LeBron not being in and out, being in and out of the lineup. Westbrook not being consistent and not nearly the impact that he needs to be. I mean, we saw it last game against the Trailblazers the other day. Um, LeBron did not play. Anthony Davis was taken out seven minutes into the game and Russell Westbrook led his team to a 25 point loss. Uh, yeah. 15, no, 15, 15, 15 point loss. He was one for 13 minus 20 plus minus this man. I'm not going to say he's bad. I'm not going to say he's washed. He just makes bad decisions repeatedly. Yes. And I don't necessarily know if he's a good leader. That's why he's brought into a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it's why he's the third guy and not the number one guy on the team anymore. Um, you know, he, he's obviously not a good shooter, which doesn't help, but I think it's really just the bad decisions in the management that he puts himself in. And, you know, he's always had this sort of tunnel vision perspective mm-hmm. at certain times in the defensive and offensive end, and that seems to be hurting this team and hurting his reputation across the league. It, it, it sucks because – 
you know, I grew up with a brother who's a big Russell Westbrook fan. And he's, he's kind of come to the light of it a little bit more this year than he has in the past, but man. Yeah. And, and so I've been, I've been had blinders on in trying to deflect all the news. I mean, all the like uh, arguments against Russ being a good player, but man, my brother and I were talking about today. He is like barely cracking the top. If, if he is, he's barely cracking top 10 at point guards in the NBA. And it's, it's brutal because the guys who are just barely cracking that top 10 list, it's tough to watch, but Russell Westbrook has not looked great. And it's because he's getting older. He's, he still has that athletic firepower whenever he needs to, to get up off the ground and go slam a ball, like really hard, but his mind's gone with them with, you know, usually guys get smarter when they get more into the league, but man, he's making more and more worse decisions. It's just really tough to watch. I'm hopeful that, he'll be able to turn it around due to LeBron. Mm -hmm. I think LeBron knows exactly what he needs to do to win a championship. Mm -hmm. It's at his feet in terms of bringing in Russell Westbrook. We already know the impact that he has on general managing decisions. Hell, even coaching decisions mid-game. I've seen him talking to guys when they're coming out of the lineup um, off the court here when he's not playing. Not even He's in street clothes like Anthony Davis most games, (laughs) um, seems like, with his injuries. And I think Russell Westbrook will understand his role once AD and LeBron come back. You know, I'm still the poor soul holding up Russell Westbrook most assist ticket at plus 1,000 right now. Right. <laughs> he was in the top four a while back. I haven't checked recently. But if he can really commit himself to just being a distributor and penetrating and kicking um, and working, you know, not really working with the ball in his hands as much to score, but to pass and focusing on that. I'm hopeful I might be able to cash that ticket and I'm hopeful that the Lakers can succeed. But if he's, if he's going to continue trying to score the way he has throughout his whole career, they're not going to be very good. In my opinion, Aaron, have you heard of the definition of Einstein insanity? Uh, no, but I think I know where you're heading. Go ahead. In Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That is literally what has happened with Russell Westbrook over the past year, a few years. You sign the man, you know how you sign the man, and you think of his 2016-17 MVP run, and which was it was miraculous. That's incredible what he did that year, carrying the Thunder to the playoffs. But the thing is, ever since he's left the Thunder, he has had brutal years. It's not like he's been able to lead a team. And so what teams are doing is signing him, signing him and signing him, expecting a different result, expecting him to be that 2016, 2017 Russell Westbrook. People having trust in him to do something over and over again, yet they always know in the fourth quarter, this man cannot be trusted with a basketball in his hands. And so it it is these teams and himself are both going through this Einstein insanity over and over again expecting a different result. That was my, also my high school basketball basketball coaches, like favorite line to use whenever I kept turning the ball over and over in my 24 <laughs> minutes of varsity basketball. Um, so I, I only speak that from exist, experience, but it, it is truly the definition of what's happening with Russell Westbrook. Well, and it's sad too, because you know, right, right alongside him is Carmelo Anthony who has started the season. Fantastic. I mean, we, we broke down this whole team and we were sort of, you know, I was maybe a little bit more positive of Carmelo Anthony than you were. Yeah. Some of these other shooters, they've actually shot really well. Carmelo Anthony included. I mean, his PER right now is relatively inflated, but it's 66.52. I think that might be the highest in the NBA for anybody who's played any significant minutes. Right. He's averaging 16 and a half per game. 
I mean, Meaning- three-point percentage is ridiculous. Yeah, damn near 50%. So, like, these other guys that LeBron has brought in have actually produced well. Now, the big issue for this team, in my opinion, not only Russell Westbrook, but their defense. Mm-hmm. Third worst defense in the Western Conference, only better than the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. We already knew those two teams were going to have terrible defenses. And the, we talked about this with, we're going to talk about this with Mike Carr coming up. Some of the losses that the Lakers have faced in the offseason with Alex Caruso to the Bulls, one of their best, most versatile defenders. KCP, one of their best, most versatile defenders. They're missing a lot of those guys. The players they didn't bring in are, are you know, they brought in are not good defenders, really. And Russell Westbrook is in that category, but he's not producing offensively. So he's basically a, a zero sum right now. And it's something that LeBron really is going to have to figure out how to integrate him and make him feel like he's still a part of this team because the media is just eating him apart. Yeah, I completely agree. And what's funny is who's getting these minutes that LeBron uh, down the stretch now that LeBron's out is Austin Reeves, mm-hmm. former OU standout, and he ruined our call our, our hope for Mizzou basketball uh, hope last year during the NCAA tournament. But I mean, it's so funny that this is the guy who's taking over the minutes and is like actually hacking up shots at the end of games uh, for the Lakers. It's, it's so funny to me that that's what's happening. The hope was already dim if we're being completely honest, right. but yes, I agree. I was, I mean, if you would have told me Austin Reeves would have been playing consistent minutes, I would have been completely shocked. <laughs> so, oh, especially for the Los Angeles Lakers, right? I mean, if, if maybe for the Pacers, but not for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, but, but like Dwight Howard's looks solid. I mean, Bazemore's been, eh, but no. Malik Monk's been good. Melo's been good. Bradley's actually been good in spurts when they've used him. Rondo's hitting shots every once in a while. Um, it's really just been Russ, you know, who's who's not performing well. In, yeah. you know, based on their previous acquisitions, at least offensively. So that, you know, the Lakers, they're in a very tough conference in division right now, division in particular with the number one team in the West being the Warriors who've lost once mm-hmm. the Suns, who are, are surging the defending Western conference champions champions who beat them in the playoffs last year. Right. I think there are at least two or three other teams who are playing far better than them and might even be better than them period. And the Mavs, um, Hell, even the Kings might be better than them. I mean, there there are so many other teams that are playing better than the Lakers right now, but I, I think they have severe long-term concerns here. And at five and five, they need to right the ship quick or else they might be looking at another seven seed, which did not work for them last year. No, I completely agree. This team is, as of right now, this team is destined for like a six seed upset by the, I mean, sorry, a six seed getting like swept out of the first round or they're looking for some of two tough playing games that they're going to have to play through just to even make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how it totally goes. I, I know right now that they're placed as the ninth seed, or if the NBA, if the playoffs were to start today, it would be the ninth seed. Uh, but this team just has like, it, if they don't get it right, like you said, it's, it's going to be a real struggle for them down the end. I agree. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this first segment here and, and we'll take a break before we get to Mike Carr, and discussing our local Chicago Bulls here, at least my local Chicago Bulls, who have had a great start to the year here at six and three, quite the opposite of the Bull, uh, the Lakers rather. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and get over to Mike Carr. We'll be back soon.
Welcome back to the Hooper's Almanac. We are so excited to bring on a good friend of me and Aaron's, Mike Carr. He is our Chicago Bulls expert uh, and super fan as well. Uh, and we are so excited to have him. He is also our first uh, rules official uh, to come on the show. And so we're excited to have him. Mikey, Mike, Mikey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate having me, guys. Love the podcast. <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's not Mike Pereira, just to, just to clarify. I feel like every NFL Sunday, since we're recording here on a Sunday, it's always, let's bring in our rules official expert, Mike. It's always Mike Pereira. So Mike Carr, um, just to clarify for those out there listening. <laughs> Mike Carr is our NBA, a rules official. Let, let's sure. get that right off the bat. He is our guy. Um, but most importantly, more than that, Mike is a Chicago Bulls fan. And Mike, how are we feeling about this year's team right now? You know, you got to feel good. Got to feel good. Starting out the season six and three. Um, I mean, you got to be optimistic if you're a Bulls fan. Last year, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. Been one of the worst teams in the league since 2016. Anytime we're beating good teams, we have a winning record. I mean, it's 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 all gravy. No, I completely agree. I mean, you guys have looked great. Your offense has made me uh, salivate because I love this. I love how well your guys' offense looks, even if it means beating the uh, Boston Celtics and coming back and beating us in a ridiculous win. Um, I, I think this team looks great offensively. I also made a resolution before the podcast that I wasn't going to say we when describing the Bulls because I hate when other people do that, and I've already done it twice. So starting <laughs> off on the right foot. Oh, and two. Great, great start to the season. Well, <laughs> well, definitely your Bulls have started, you know, pretty good to the season here, six and three, dropped their last two to the Sixers. But one thing that Mitch and I discussed throughout the last couple of episodes um, has just been the Bulls' defense. And right now they're averaging the fourth fewest points in the Eastern Conference, which is you know, was their biggest hindrance last year, albeit Patrick Williams now coming off of the court. I believe we have decided he's out for the season. Um, So that's a huge hit to their defense. He can really guard every position. Mike, what have you seen from the defense? Obviously the big acquisitions have been the offensive side of the ball, but you know, in terms of Patrick Williams going out for the year and how they've performed thus far, is this something the bulls can keep up or is this still a concern from you as a bulls fan? Yeah, for sure. When the Bulls picked up um, Arturis Karnisvis and Marquez Eversley in the offseason two years ago, I mean, I'm really excited about what, you know, we've seen so far out of those guys. And I think every Bulls fan has to. The, the underrated pickups, like, throughout the offseason last season and, and as well as this last offseason, Caruso, I mean, if you've watched any Los Angeles Lakers basketball whatsoever this season, I mean, they're missing Alex Caruso. And, and the Bulls – are, are reaping the benefits of having him. Lonzo Ball, an underrated defensive guard. Um, and then you got guys, I mean, guys like coming out with a chip on their shoulder. I, I've told Mitch that I, I think, you know, when you when you take guys like Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, all guys where you say all empty stat patterns on, on not very good teams, guys who have really haven't played on playoff teams with the exception of DeRozan, played a little bit in the playoffs of the Spurs, obviously was really good on the Raptors, but the last couple of years, Spurs haven't been very good. Um, but you put those guys all together, they all have a chip on their shoulder. They're all playing really hard and for like for each other. And you see, you know, stuff that, I mean, people predicted the Bulls to be a bottom five defensive team again this year. And why wouldn't have you? I mean, last year, the last three years, they've been horrible, absolutely horrible on defense. And I think there's still, you know, some patchwork to do, you know, watching the first nine games. Um, I don't know what the Bulls are looking for as far as a closing lineup, but the defensive, the defensive play in the fourth quarter, and then I think looking forward to hopefully what will be a playoff berth, you know, when you've got guys switching on the top and you got Vucevic guarding a ball handler coming off the screen. It does not look pretty, but some patchwork to do, but really excited about, you know, what yeah. we've seen 
with the Bulls' defense so far. Yeah, and I think a, a guy I've been really impressed with has been Javante Green. He's now been a consistent starter for the Bulls um, and is really you know a plus defender and seems to do every little thing right for them. Um, but definitely some concerns when it comes to Vooch in the post and some other defenders, um, you know, where Patrick Williams could guard those big guys. But I think another plus is just Caruso and Ball seeming like they always get their hands on passes and can get out in transition and create steals um, and transition points. So I think that's a big area for the Bulls if they can keep that up, which they have this year. Um, I think that generates a lot of offense for them as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I also like Io DeSumo. I like that he's getting more playing time for you guys. Um, I was big on him when he was coming out of Illinois, I think, and especially just staying in the state of Illinois and playing for the Chicago Bulls is, has been kind of a good help for him. Um, but I totally agree. This team's defense has kind of reinvented itself just over the year. It's been ridiculous, even with its best defender being out. And also, I think DeMar DeRozan has shown that he still can play defense. Um, he hasn't, he isn't, uh, a liability as much as we thought he would be on defense. He was a liability, I think more so in San Antonio, but I think, you know, this year he's just shown it off how, you know, he can still stay in front of guys. But, you know, even talking about DeRozan, you know, it's, I think him and Levine have this like battle. I mean, on the other side of the ball, when it comes to offense, I feel like those two guys have a battle of kind of who's the number one guy when it comes down the stretch. Uh, Mike, do, do you see that uh, like battle between the two of them? Do you think that there is a, a definitive number one guy between him and De- uh, Levine and DeRozan? Um, I don't think so, but I want to go back to what you said just about the, the Bulls roster and, and putting defensive guys um, together. Is I, I think there's like just so many guys on the bench that they're, they're bringing off the bench and, and competing. And if you look back to the last couple of seasons, and I've watched you know so many Bulls games like last season um, where we're just getting beat up and down the floor. And the one thing you would always see with the Bulls defense that I, I think you would see that made them statistically so bad last season and the season before is every good player in the NBA when they played the Bulls absolutely went crazy. The Bulls had to be the number one team in the NBA for star scoring and star performance by other teams. And then you bring in guys like, you know, Ball, Caruso, even DeRozan, who can switch on to, on to, on to really good guards. And, you know, I've seen that as much this year, with the exception of Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has made a lifetime worth, <laughs> worth of money playing the Chicago Bulls. That guy's, that guy's a serve. But going back to your question about, you know, DeRozan and, and Levine and even Vooch and uh, just, the, just the offensive role playing. I think you, you really haven't seen much of a competition so far because, you know, DeRozan's taking whatever he's wanted. You know, that, that guy's come in and, he, you know, he's putting up his shots. He's, he's shooting, you know, 20, 25 shots a game, every single game. Uh, I think he's averaging like 29 points. He's like, I think fourth in the NBA in scoring right now, scoring average per game. And that, that guy, he's putting up his shots. And I think you've seen Levine's, you know, stats fluctuate a little bit from last year. He's, I think he's a little bit down um, compared to last year. Um, but I think that's the beauty of having a star like Levine is, is, is he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't really care. He's, he's just such an unselfish player. He's going to let DeRozan come in and maybe play his way out of a number one spot. And I think Levine's fine with DeRozan taking shots down the stretch and, and, putting up generally more shots throughout the game. So, I um, mean, you'll see Vucevic. Uh, Vucevic, I, the thing I love about him is he's just going to fit in either way. You know, you're going to have DeRozan, you know, Lonzo, um, you know, Zach, guys like that take the ball to the rim, and Vucevic is always going to be open for his jumpers. So he's going to get his. I just think Zach's taking a little bit less of a role this year with, the, with an eye on winning. You, you mentioned Vooch, as he's known around these parts in Chicago, as just Vooch, not Nikola Vucevic. Um, the, the common nickname whenever he makes a shot, which seems like it's few and far between now, he is definitely <laughs> definitely one of those guys who's comfortable taking a back seat. I mean, he played 
his entire career in Orlando, which he essentially got zero publicity despite having multiple all-star appearances. But this year he's struggled a little bit out of the gate and he was a big acquisition for the Bulls last year. Um, now he's averaging, you know, 13 points a game, roughly still getting those rebounds at 10, but his shooting efficiency is bad. 38% from the field, 25% from deep. Just seems like he hasn't been able to find his touch so far. I mean, it seems like his, his trajectory over his career's consistency has been there. So you assume he gets a shot touchback. Is this something you're concerned about? Or is this just a matter of fitting around another score here in DeRozan and maybe naturally taking a step back for Vooch this year? Uh, I'm not worried about Vooch. He's, he's a guy where, you know, I think especially the first like four or five games of the season, like he was, he was shooting it well. Um, guys like that, they're always going to put up shots. I think he's, I, I mean, it's a microcosm of a level with like with Dame and guys like that too. They're going to get shots out. They go through slumps. I think Vooch is going to be just fine. But he's a guy like when we picked him up last year, I just I just didn't know how he would, you know, really fit. I was intrigued by the pickup and I really liked the trade. I think it was a huge flash of the trade deadline that no one was expecting. That's another thing, by the way, I love about this Bulls front office is you have they, they have no leaks. You would never know who they're <laughs> gonna pick up. Um and I think around the league, you know, Woj is so good, but even Woj just come out and said like he has no idea like what the Bulls are ever gonna do, which is amazing. I I love Arturis Carnesivis, excuse me, and, and Mark Eversley. But uh, yeah, I think Booch is a guy, he's going he's gonna to come into his own. And, I, you know, with Lonzo, we have a, we have a team where it's the, full of guys who either shoot mid-range. We, we have a couple pure three-point shooters, but a lot of guys have been finished at the rim. And Vucevic has never really been a guy who's going to hang on inside. So he's going to get those shots to fall, I think, as the season goes on. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Vucevic has kind of like backed away from his like post game more and more as the years have gone on. He's tried to stretch his game more and try to evolve with the game and be a stretch five, which has been great for the league. And I feel like even get going to be great for him, just keep going forward. And I'm with you. I'm not too worried about how, you know, he's looked so far. He's going to be streaky here and there, and it's going to be more on the high, the high end and the low end of things. Um, I, I see him getting back into his groove. And I feel like it's, it's going to be perfect time whenever it does come back um mike we talked about you talked about levine a little bit taking that step back uh earlier on is zach levine still better than devin booker in your mind i'm taking zach levine over devin booker seven days a week and twice on sundays we love to hear it we love to hear that mike has stayed true to his convictions on zach levine mike can you explain to the people why zach levine is better than devin booker Absolutely. I think Zach Levine is the definition of a three-level score. Um, if, uh, the, the people who, who would ever put any kind of slander on Zach Levine, I think you, you heard you know, so many people, so many people last year and the year before say Zach Levine is the definition of an empty stat pattern, doesn't do anything for anybody. I've seen those takes you know, all over the place, and I, and I haven't heard any of them so far this year. So that's, you know, that's all I want to say. He contributes to winning. Uh, he uh, can finish at all three levels. He can take almost anybody in the league to the rim. Um, he can get a shot off whenever he wants. Uh, I think he's a top 10, you know, scoring talent in the NBA, uh, a top 10, just straight up bucket getter in the NBA. Um, you know, he had a couple, a couple shots, you know, so far this season where, you know, drive to the elbow, dribble stopped, do a couple pivot moves. And he just pulls up straight up over the defender and knocks down a shot. I just think, when he really wants to get a bucket, he's going to get a bucket. And that's why I think down the stretch of the season, you know, DeRozan 
is a phenomenal player and he's having, he's shooting the ball really well so far, but I think down the season and once you get to the playoffs, I think you'll see Levine with the ball in his hands late in the game. Um, because I think that's who Billy Donovan's really going to want to see hit big time shots. I don't, I think that's a hot take. I personally don't agree, but I think that Zach Levine's growth from when he came into league is just this pure raw athlete who was like highlight winning dunk contests to a guy that's now a very, you know, refined scorer. He can do so much as, you know, his dribble moves have gotten outstanding. He's a great shooter, knockdown shooter off the dribble, off the catch, you know, that growth. I think Devin Booker was already, he was also a raw talent, but he was already a, he had multiple tools in his bag when it came to scoring. He wasn't really the athlete that Zach Levine was. So I think Zach Levine's growth has been far more impressive. And I think he can still grow from here. Like you said, I think he's a top 10 talent and the fact that he has so much more room to grow and improve his shot. I think the biggest thing for him, and it'll be interesting to see how this injury that's been nagging him with his finger impacts him for the rest of the year is getting to the line. You know, that's something that we've seen big scorers struggle with this year. I don't think he's impacted by that in terms of the way he operates on offense, but it's, I think it's really important for that team. And that's something DeMar DeRozan does really well historically throughout his career. So I think that's one area if Zach can do that consistently, that's definitely another thing for him to improve on. Absolutely. And who doesn't like, I mean, the, the, the most fun thing to watch this season so far, if you ever get the chance to, to watch a couple, a few minutes of a Bulls game and see either, either Lonzo Ball or Caruso on a three-on-one break with Zach Levine trailing with one defender, there's nothing better in the game of basketball than, the, than that, than to watch that. Just a little lob up to Zach Levine will do it for you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I love Lonzo Ball. <laughs> you I were so skeptical. You were so skeptical of this man coming to the Bulls. And now that after three weeks of NBA play, Mike has turned his whole mindset around. Do, do you think he's I'm better than to admit I'm wrong. Do you think he's better than LaMelo now that we're on the hot takes train? No, I don't think so. Okay. LaMelo Ball, okay. I, I, that, that dude should have been a consensus number one overall pick. I think I, the NBA draft is a whole nother, a whole nother topic, but I think so many of these guys like LaMelo Ball come into the draft process. He's a consensus number one overall pick. And then all of a sudden people start studying people and thinking that, you know, all of a sudden Anthony Edwards, all of a sudden James Wiseman are, you know, different, like LaMelo Ball should have been a consensus number one pick the entire time. Um, I think you saw the same thing with Luca. All of a sudden guys are jumping off the draft board and, and Luca kind of falls a little bit. No, like consensus number one overall pick LaMelo Ball is going to, be a Hall of Famer. The fact that Denny Advia was even being talked about being over LaMelo Ball is blasphemous. That was just brutal to hear. I remember Mike losing his mind at the idea that Denny Advia might even be picked by the Bulls, and we've kind of seen how that's gone now. But And Mike's lucked out with having Patrick Williams. But, uh, no, I totally agree with you, Mike. I think LaMelo Ball is a lot better than Lonzo. So, we, so we've talked about, you know, quite a few players – on the bulls and broke down where we think they sit. And if we're worried or, um, you know, thrilled at their performance, but just opening it back up, you know, to the whole team right now, they sit fourth in the East. How do you see this team and the way it's constructed? I personally think it's been improved with their additions through Caruso and Lonzo ball. I think that's and DeRozan, obviously, I think that's irrefutable, but how does this change their trajectory within the East and their potential to, you know, actually make some noise in the conference when it comes playoff time? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously absolute 
roster change from last year. I think they still have a lot to work a lot to do. I think the front office knows they have a lot of work to do. Um, I think the Bulls will be active players in the trade deadline just because there's, there is still draft capital there, even with the trade of Vucevic. Um, there's still a decent amount of first-round picks coming at the table. I think we have you know, 2022, 2024. I think we traded 21 and 23 for Vucevic. But um, I think you know when it comes to the trade deadline, you have obvious – you know, holes still left on this team, gigantic question marks, interior defense being the, you know, the number one, if, if any kind of guard gets beat off the dribble whatsoever, you've seen it, you know, year in and year out so far in these first nine games is Vucevic is, he's not even a subpar defender. He's one of the worst defenders in the entire league. Like the guy cannot guard a soul. Um, and, <laughs> and it doesn't, a lot of teams like that too, like you've seen the, you've seen the Celtics, you know, speaking of Mitchell's team, um, bringing in guys like Rob Williams off the bench, people who, you know, been even like guys like Tristan Thompson, people who have been there, done that. The Bulls have absolutely no one come off the bench. You know, you're playing as Alizé Johnson, um, you know, 20 minutes a game. Um, Tyler Cooks on the bench doesn't really get to play a lot, especially with the absence of Patrick Williams the rest of the year. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of that Hampton five, Hampton's five lineup that the Warriors played. And in, in 2016 with Kevin Durant, where they're playing no, you know, true big man on the floor. And you've right. seen that so far when Vucevic is out of the game, the biggest guy in the game is either Alizé Johnson or sometimes DeRozan, like they're playing five guards out there. So that's going to be a huge issue. As we've seen the last two games, Bulls off to a huge start. And then Joel Embiid just ruins right. everything inside. He went for 30 and 15, I believe on, uh, on Friday. So um, that's a huge question mark um, is on the defensive end. Um, and the rebounding as well. I mean, you got guards that can rebound, but I just think as, as the going gets tough, you want to be deep in the playoffs. Um, obviously rosters, um, get a little whittled down when you get in the playoffs, trust like seven or eight guys, but, um, Kobe white coming back is going to be a huge addition, especially on the scoring end. You see a lot of, you know, they've been playing DeRozan a lot with the second unit just to try to get some scoring there. But, um, the bench is a, is a huge question mark. You got Derek Jones, Jr., um, you know, Javante Green, Troy Brown Jr., just guys who really haven't proven to be high-level scorers. Um, so really a question mark there. Um, I think if you look at – I think the Bulls bench scored 11 points um, in the first game against the 76ers. Um, so you're seeing DeRozan score 30 points, Levine score 28 points, Vucevic scoring 20 points. But after that, um, even even Lonzo's having a little bit of trouble putting the ball in the basket of volume so far. So just guys who can – you know, can, you can really go out there and, and make plays down the stretches few and far between. Yeah. I, I think your point on interior defense and rebounding is huge. Um, I mean, the bulls are third to last in the NBA in rebounds. And when you think about how the Eastern conference is constructed and how last year went, I mean, who was the guy that ran a train through everybody? Giannis. So, I mean, Giannis right. is an absolute force in the offensive and defensive boards, getting to the paint, drawing fouls, obviously you mentioned Embiid. You think about other teams in the East, you know, maybe the Nets aren't as big of an issue, but Miami, a formidable foe with Bam and a bunch of guys that drive to the rack as well. So I think when it comes to the playoffs, there are a lot of teams that might expose those troubles if they aren't figured out soon, especially on small lineups coming off the bench. So I think that's a really, really good point, Mike. Yeah. Mitchell tried to make a living in college off of trying to convince me that the East was better than the West year in and year out. And I think there's finally no question. Um, who are the better and more deep conferences at this point in the year? So. I was I was gonna say I was gonna bring that up later. I was gonna say, Mike, are we allowed, are we gonna finally agree with me on that the East is finally better than the West? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I I t- I know my uh, my immature self back in early college was uh, totally on the side of the East, mostly because my team was on the East, and I just wanted to convince myself that the Celtics were in a tough competition, but they weren't. 
Um, I know that now. Um, Mike, what is the best possible outcome for the Chicago Bulls this year? Um, I think Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's uh, it's well within rain. Um, the reason I don't say NBA Finals is, I mean, you got the Nets that are going to be there. You got the Bucks that are going to be there. Um, and like you mentioned, Heat are looking really good so far. Um, Knicks are going to be in the mix. Hawks are probably going to be in the mix. Um, Wizards are looking good. Um, Hornets just- are tough. You know, it's just a, such a deep conference where it, it's, I think it's going to be tough, especially with the Bulls' lack of depth to put like three good series in a row together. Um, so I think when, you know, if you, if you win a first round matchup and maybe make an upset in the second round and you reach Eastern conference finals and on your last leg, you're running into Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Um, it's going to be tough to, tough to finish, but um, you know, I think they got the, the bulls got the players to, to do it. You know, you got um, Levine who really hasn't had much playoff experience, but you've seen DeRozan um, in the past be able to knock down big shots in, in, in clutch moments. You got guys that can score and guys that can make plays. I think, um, you know, nobody expected the Hawks to make the Eastern Conference Finals last year um, with their roster. I think the Bulls are have just as good as roster. So, yeah, I, I think this team reminds me a lot of the Hawks from last year in terms of their their personnel, as well as your Celtics teams, Mitch, when they made it when they weren't expected to with, you know, Scary Terry in the playoffs. Um, I just think some of these guys like Lonzo, Caruso um, and Levine, to be honest, all those guys haven't had playoff moments yet. I mean, Caruso played a little bit with the Lakers and their championship run, but I think all of those guys could be studs in a playoff scenario on the offensive end. So I think they definitely could upset some teams. And if the, you know, the dominoes fall where they may, I think the Eastern conference finals is probably a fair, fair ceiling for them. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Say what you, sorry, Mitch. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I feel like with Kobe white coming back too, I feel like that just gives them another option off the bench. Uh, I know that's one of your favorite players to watch Mike um, is Kobe white. Um, especially if they want to go small and they want to run like that Hampton five lineup. I feel like, you know, if Kobe White's out there to be like a nice little score threat for him, I feel like that's a great option. I think Eastern conference finals is a great ceiling. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I don't, I don't have much of a problem with the guys like Levine, Lonzo Caruso kind of in the, in those playoff moments that Aaron mentioned, just because I think Levine, I mean, that guy's going to, that guy's going to fill it up. I don't, I don't think you're, you know, really going to see him going through much of a stretch um, of where he can't really hit a shot. Um, Lonzo's, you know, a guy that definitely hasn't been there, hasn't played any sort of winning basketball whatsoever. But like, that's that's a guy who's basketball IQ so high. He's he's just a great basketball player, and I, I think that plays in the playoffs. I think you've seen that, especially in the Eastern Conference. I think that plays in the playoffs. The major question mark is just guys like Vucevic, stuff like that, who really rely on shots to fall. Um, and he really are, you know, haven't shown a huge stretch of consistency. I mean, Vucevic was an all-star last year, put together a great first half, came to Chicago in the second half, kind of had a wishy-washy second half of the season. And then this season hasn't, you know, seen a shot fall much yet. You get guys like that in the playoffs, shots might not be falling, you know, too much. And then you mix that with the, you know, with the question marks on defense. And that's why I think the Bulls could run into a, a decent amount of trouble. You mentioned Lonzo and just a quick point on him. I think he's maybe one of the toughest players in the NBA that's not talked about, not in terms of maybe physicality, but just in terms of mental toughness of what he went through as a number two overall, number two overall pick, you know, his brother was getting a lot of hype behind him and is probably now more hype than he is and talked about, but he went to terrible basketball situations and what his dad put him, put him through in terms of expectations what the media put him through. And now he's a really, you know, productive contributing player. He's not the star that maybe a number two pick would expect to be, but coming 
going through those Lakers and Pelicans teams that were just complete trash fires. I mean, I'm really impressed by what he's been able to turn himself into as a glue guy who can facilitate and really knows his role. So I have a lot of respect for Alonzo and I'm excited to see him in the playoffs, hopefully this year. Absolutely. I'm extremely excited about Lonzo. And another thing with him too, like what's, what's one thing, one question, one bulls question coming into the season is who's going to shoot the ball on the outside. I mean, you got Levine throws and makes his way on the, on the end, like, you know, mid range and, and Vucevic kind of spaces out every once in a while, but not a lot of pure shooters on the team. Lonzo comes out of this offseason. The dude is a new man. He, I mean, that jump shot is is pure so far those first nine games, and that, that's going to play. He's shooting 40%, attempting more threes than everybody except for Levine, over six and a half a game. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot. He He's hitting those spot-up threes from the corner of the wing, which is exactly what they needed him to do. So, well, let's, let's, let's also not discount the fact that DeRozan's also now shooting for over 40% from three this year, which is wild to me. The man is taking at least two threes a game and he hit like three against the Celtics in that game, but in their game against him. But like the fact that everyone has just kind of been open to the idea of just consistently taking threes, is just wild. I, I love this new energy that's coming out of this Bulls team. And I, I love the fact that they're not afraid to huck it up from outside. Yep. And then the, the bench is just the major issue. Um, I think you've seen that so far in, in the Sixers losses when, you know, you don't see, you know, you need, it's down the stretch in the third quarter. Um, bench players are minus 10, minus 11, minus 12, like, you know, going into the fourth quarter and putting so much. That's the only thing I'm really worried about. Is you're putting so much on Levine and DeRozan's shoulders. God forbid you lose one of those players and all of a sudden you got a lot of offensive firepower falling off the table. And who on that bench is going to step up? Derek Jones Jr., you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, to, uh, Troy Brown Jr., guys who really aren't shooting at a high volume whatsoever. I think what's really underrated about this team so far is that Patrick Williams loss is going to end up being gigantic, especially when you get to talk about guarding guys like Giannis, Kevin Durant, um, guys like that. Um, the Bulls have guys that are athletic, Javante Green, Alizé Johnson, guys who can kind of step out on players like that. But Patrick Williams doesn't show up a lot in the stat book, but that's going to be a huge loss going down the stretch. I completely agree, Mike. But, you know, you talk about the Bulls being the Eastern in the Eastern Conference uh, what is in your Eastern Conference finals is just like their ceiling. What is, though, your finals prediction for the year? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Um, I'm going to go with Milwaukee in the East. Um, okay. I, they haven't started off the year super hot, but, you know, without Drew and um, and uh, Chris Middleton for a few games, um, you know, I don't think you've really seen much out of them so far. And obviously they can win ball games. So I think you saw that last season. But um, the West is, is wide open, man. I think um, – you know, I think right now, I, I think I'm going to go with Utah Jazz. Um, speaking of speaking of the Bulls, just played. Um, those two teams just played last week. Donovan Mitchell, that stays underrated um, in this league. That man can absolutely get buckets at every single level. Um, Gobert is uh, good on defense. Not not playable, you know, down the stretch in the playoffs as we've seen, which no. is a huge, a huge issue. But um, with the West being so wide open, um, I think I'm going to go with the Jazz, which – that could change at the drop of a hat. You just have truly no, I think there's seven teams that can win the West this year. Um, so there's a lot of jazz slander in this podcast. So that is a very bold take here in terms of Mitch and I's uh, perspectives. Well, no. And Mike knows, I mean, Mike and I have talked about it over the years, whether it was living together or not, the two teams that Mike and I refuse to talk about putting in the finals, just because they have great 
seasons to only fail in the playoffs is the Sixers and the Jazz. I mean, that's the two teams you never put in any sort of finals because they'll never make it. And don't bet. That's why you don't bet them, and it's just not worth putting your time towards them. But I mean, this may be the year. I don't think it is. Uh, but Aaron, what is, you know, we've talked about doing this, updating our finals predictions every time we, ha- we ask this question. Who is your finals prediction now? Yeah, so I believe I was calling for a repeat from last year, uh, yeah. which would be Buck Suns. I'm sticking to it right now. Um, I, I agree with Mike. I don't think the Bucks' current record and performance is indicative of, of the team they are. I think just going through the injuries they have. And, you know, Mitch and I have talked about this previously is how much are, are the finals hangover and the Olympics hangover in terms of just the stress on those bodies for Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton going to impact them this year? That's a big question mark I have, and they've both faced injuries right. so far. So, you know, as if they're healthy, I'm taking the Bucs. Um, so I think that's my assumption so far. And I'm sticking with the Suns. Um, they didn't look good early, but they just have rattled off four wins in a row as of November 7th when we're recording this. So I think they're starting to route into form. I'm not ready to hop on the Warriors bandwagon quite yet. Um, I still don't have faith that some of these guys can continue it for an 82-game season. Um, you know, Damian Lee's of the world, Andrew Wiggins. Um, I'd much rather have Devin Booker and and many other guys. So I'm sticking with the Suns Bucks. Uh, I'm ready to hop on that bad wagon. That, oh is, that, that is the team I am choosing from the West. I'm keeping the Bucks. So we're all three on the Bucks, which – no, we all know why that means it's not gonna be the Bucks. Um, so I, I am all of the Bucks and this Warriors. I'm gonna hop on Cole's take that he had a three week or two weeks ago. Uh, I think just this Warriors team just looks it, it looks unbeatable at this point. And you're definitely right. There will be times this year where Damian Lee and Andrew Wiggins are both just not gonna be there. There's gonna be nights where Jordan Poole just is non-existent, and that's gonna be fine. It's one of the, it's when they get Clay Thompson back that I think this team is might have a little struggle just when it comes like to chemistry and minutes and playing time. But man, I still think this team uh, has shown, man, they still have that championship caliber. Um, not saying that they're unbeatable like they were like in the mid 2010s, but I still think this team has its moments where it looks incredible. I think Otto Porter Jr. was a huge signing in the off season for them. Oh wait, I'm just kidding. He hasn't done anything. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there have been some of these guys that have been like, oh my gosh, they got him over the offseason. Otto yeah. Porter Jr. has not done anything. It seems like he does not really trust. I think it's a lot of these unsung heroes like Gary Payton II all of a sudden is playing the yes. game. Him. Um, you know, taking after his dad, the glove junior. Um, so he's doing great. I think Bielitsa is playing great. They are a deep team. It's just a matter of can these guys score in a playoff environment when everybody's playing defense? No, you're right. A lot of that turns to isolation ball and they do a really good job of moving the ball. So it's going to be, you know, very interesting matchup, but I, I don't hate the pick at this point based on how they played. Again, it's just week three. So we're right. literally just speculating at this point. So it's just totally trying to figure out what we're, what the real thing is we got, we have until May to really make our true bets on what's going our real predictions of what's going to happen. Another good thing to note is Warriors' schedule so far has been Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Thunder, Grizzlies, Thunder, Hornets, Pelicans. So not not actually a, a murderer's row there of of, uh, of wins that they've that they've knocked off. But we'll we'll see. Speaking speaking of schedules, I'd like to uh, I have a bone to pick with with Adam Silver between oh the um, between I think when we when we the Bulls excuse me played the Jazz. I think it was 10 days ago yeah. until November 26th. The Bulls 
had a schedule of, of 15 games, 14 of which were playoff teams last year. And the 15th team is the Golden State Warriors. Um, so I have, a, I have a bone to pick with Adam Silver about the, the beginning of the Bulls schedule. But but so far, they've played okay. And uh, also, he yelled Zach Levine out for two months last year when he had COVID for two weeks. So, <laughs> so Mike, uh, I feel like you have some bone. I feel like you have many bones to pick with Adam Silver, not just the singular. <laughs> No, I, I completely understand. Uh, Mike, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we are going to have Mike probably come back just later on in the season. As I said, he will be our – he's our rules expert. He will be our guy whenever we need to uh, rant about a ref. Uh, he's the guy I'm going to come to, and, and Aaron will come to just to talk to about refereeing. Uh, he will be on later on this year to talk about the rules changes. But, Mike, we appreciate you coming on, my man. Good stuff, guys. Thanks, Mike. Go Bulls. Yep. See you around, baby. We are back with another segment of me and Aaron's favorite time is cereal and brews. Uh, we are actually not drinking tonight. We are not having any bowls of cereal tonight either. It has been a long day for both of us. So we are, we are just sticking to our water and coffee. Aaron, how are we doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Um, as I sort of teased in the introduction, it's been a long, long NFL Sunday of betting up and down and then up and then up again. So we're looking good right now. The Chiefs came through. The Chargers came through. Um, so, you know, it's been a wild ride as always, but um, doing good. You know, went to the Iowa Northwestern game here in Chicago this past weekend. Had some friends come up from uh, my hometown in Iowa. So that was a good time. Um, and, yeah, just been sort of keeping a low profile here. And uh, it's been quite chilly. So uh, so, sort of staying inside quite a few days during the week, but um, doing well overall. Anyways, um, you know, now that you're a few weeks into your job, we've talked about this a a few times on the podcast. Obviously, I think we recorded the day before you started your your job. You had your Mm -hmm. first day. So a few weeks in now, what is it, three weeks? How, How exactly are you liking it? What, what are you doing on a daily basis? I know you're assigned to like the Harry Potter team or something crazy. So tell us about that. <laughs> so yeah, it's third. I uh, just, I'm about to start uh, week four. Uh, so we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, we're recording on November 7th. Uh, my, we start week four tomorrow, um, November 8th. Uh, and so far the first three weeks have been great. I just got assigned to my uh, team last week. Uh, so each team has its own like branding. So there's like game of Thrones, star Wars, uh, NFL and so like you're all all these different teams have different brands and so my team brand is Harry Potter um I was hoping that I would be like a low profile like code name so everyone has like a code name on your team I was hoping for like a low profile one but no I got Ron Weasley so I am now Ron Weasley on my team uh or Ron Leadley uh because I'm getting all them leads on (laughs) on my team uh Basically what I do every day is I represent four different clients. Uh, I represent, uh, so there's a lot of, there's different like uh, sections or specialties uh, that people call on. And so some people call on IT, some people call on like HVAC or LED or cleaning services. I call on the other category, literally just as titled other. So I literally, I represent four different hodgepodge of different companies and I call different uh companies around their area or in their uh, fields of interest and just try to set up appointments for my bosses of these different clients. 
Uh, it's been great so far. Honestly, uh, I've been very encouraged over the first week. I love the team I work with. They're a blast. My boss, Sam, is an incredible guy. And, you know, he's been super encouraging my first week. He And it shows, like, how much um, time and effort that they put into, like, these different teams. Like, I have a training officer just to help me, like, through weekly – I have a weekly meeting with. I have a boss boss who, like, kind of makes sure I'm on the right trajectory with not only with this job – but where I want to be in the company. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to stay in this department. He's like trying to make sure that I'm on the right trajectory to head to the, like to any department, any job I want to be within the company, which is cool that there's someone looking out for me already. Um, I have a success manager who's making sure my metrics are staying on top of things. And so it's cool just to see how much, uh, how it's not just like a call center by any means. It's not a call center. It's a marketing agency. It's the number one marketing agency in the Midwest. Uh, so abstract marketing if anyone wants a job, put my name down and I get, I get a nice little reference bonus. So, you know, it's a blast. And so it's been great. Uh, I've loved it so far. And, you know, after making the decision to choose abstract, it's been, it's been uh, well worth it for sure. Look at that. You're already marketing the company. They love you. <laughs> they, and- well, it's been great because like now this next week, we're having like a team outing. We're going to go uh, to a bar in downtown St. Louis. Uh, we're going to go to Updown uh, this Thursday just to, for everyone to hang out. And so we love team unity as well. That's awesome. Well, Mitch has experience, you know, calling some phones. Uh, I believe at Mizzou, you spent a total of what, one week at the Mizzou Call Center? One month. It was a month. One month. Was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal A little times. bit better. A little bit better than one week. I'm sorry. I, I didn't give you credit for the full month you put in. <laughs> But um, it was it was essentially like calling donors, right? Which I'm sure they were very thrilled to hear the voice of a young lad in Mitchell Cell asking for their money. No, it was pretty much just calling Mizzou alumni and not even just donors in the past. It's just Mizzou alumni saying, hey, give us your money. And that is just, it was the most awkward thing. Like that stuff I can't do. When I'm asking money from people, that's not for me. All I do now is just talk to people and I'm like, hey, you want to talk to my boss? It's not like I'm asking for money or I'm making a sale or anything. And right. all I have to do is just say, hey, you want to talk to my boss on this day? Cool. Let's like make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, that it's, makes sense. it's infinitely better than the call center. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you, man. It sounds like it's going well. I wish you could have picked your own team name. I think that's something maybe you should talk to the CEO if you can. Put in a word, say Aaron is requesting that each new team member should be able to create their own name within Harry Potter. Cause then you get like some Luna love goods of the world, like some professor sprouts. I feel like you have more of an individualistic identity. If you're able to select a unique character that you follow. Cause I agree. I'm shocked that Ron Weasley is not taken already. How many people are on this team? And he's like one of the main three characters. Well, there's 10, but the thing was the guy who was there are 10, wait, there are 10 Ron Weasleys. No, no, no. There's 10 people on my team. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> but there but there are um but the guy who was Ron Weasley before I joined had literally was transferring like to a different department when I was joining. So it was like better than having to change like the whole thing. I completely understand that I was just throwing the Ron Weasley name and I'm okay with that. Um uh, because it's better than getting like the Bellatrix Lestrange like uh, title to it all. So I'll That's take fair. that. So um plus the guys who are like Dumbledore and like Sirius Black uh, or Remus have kind of earned their names. So I kind of understand that. So I'm, I'm okay being the, uh, the, 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 the not so smart Ron Weasley uh, when it comes to these things. I was thinking if there were going to be 10 Ron Weasleys, I was thinking of, I think it was the order of the Phoenix or the, yeah. no, it was, it was the half blood prince. Whenever it was, whenever Moody died, 
and then they went to the Weasley's house and there were like everybody dressed up as Harry yep. in the Polyjuice <laughs> Potion and there were just like a million Harrys flying through the sky and there's just going to be a million Ron Weasleys as ab- at Abstract Marketing just like calling folks hi my name's Ron um, you know ho- hoping to set up a meeting oh it, there's another Ron calling me now sorry I gotta go I guess there's just a million Rons flying around the office all, all you know semi-smart but very loyal good friends yeah. <laughs> you know ex- exactly what you want as a teammate <laughs> no I I've I've kind of compared like the call floor to like like a much tame version of Wolf of Wall Street because literally there are nerf gun fights that literally go on in the middle of like phone calls. It's so funny. Like I get hit with stray nerf bullets at least once a day. Or my good my good friend Wally has hit, I'm not kidding you, like rubber ducks at my face with noodles at least once a day. So it's just it's it's you'll never you have to be on your guard no matter what what's going on. It, it, did you say his name's Wally? It's a his name is Jabril Wally. And I don't remember his last the so Wally is like the first part of his last name. Okay. Does he go by Wally? He does go by Wally. Do you know where he's from? Uh he's from hold on. He told me. I'm blanking on it though. Why? Okay, because I only know one other Wally uh, in, in the entire world, and he went to my high school. No, so. he's not from Iowa. He is was okay. was your but was your Wally a wrestler? No. Okay, so then we're fine. No, this man okay. looks like Maui, uh, just a bearded Maui. Oh. So I, if if he wasn't, this man is giant. Is a just such a great guy. He is, he he's a great guy, and he's been super helpful during this that first week. But he is, he does the total oh, the whole tough love kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. He's afraid to show human emotion, and so it's just his way of showing love to me is uh, hitting rubber ducks on my face. Oh wow! Well, you know, hopefully it's a. Uh... A true friendship and not an abusive one. We can only hope for the best. <laughs> we could totally hope for the best. I totally agree. Well, Aaron, you know, one thing that's happening between the two of us is it, it's very far in advance, uh, but we're planning our New Year's Eve trip. We kind of hinted on it last week's podcast, but, you know, we're getting closer and closer to New Year's Eve where we're going to have all the roommates on. And I am excited to see you again in person. In the great city of Chicago. Um yeah, it, it, it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it already. Um, should have a lot of traveling going on at that time. Actually just got my booster this past week is another news. Um, so that's great. I'm all vaxxed up, as I've been saying to Madison, like every day, so annoyingly. <laughs> I've, I've sort of turned into this song that's just, I'm sure, terrible. Um, but yeah, all, all vaxxed up, received my Moderna booster the other day, so I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, ready to mingle with you guys, ready to hang out, um, go have some fun. So it, yeah, it'll be a great time. You know, we all got together last year for New Year's and it was a little bit more timid in mm-hmm. terms of just what we could do. Um, unfortunately, as we weren't all vaccinated, at the, we weren't vaccinated at that time period. Um, right. And also the, the city was on pretty locked down. down. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so excited for 2022. <laughs> yeah we'll have a little bit more electric time when it comes to new year's i know it's a i'm a little doing a little forward thinking but i'm i'm excited for the opportunity um but guys thank you this is the end of our episode we thank you guys for come uh, listening uh if you want to know more uh you guys can follow us at uh on our, on twitter at hooper's almanac uh you can also send us any uh, information you'd like to you can email us at our email at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com 
Uh, you, can, you can also follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us there. Uh, make sure to hit that bell up in the corner. That way you can be notified of when a new podcast comes out. And we appreciate you guys uh, coming out and listening to this. For my co-host Aaron Carter and for me, Mitchell Self, thank you.